The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, this is The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And we are on episode seven. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, welcome to the podcast where we twin brothers talk about our beliefs and our religious uh, doctrines, if you will, and just our, our whole realm of belief and um, we just talk about it because this is an organic conversation that both of us have never really opened up to this extent with each other about it. So you get to follow the ride. Um, and we were just discussing how uh, how we can have followers. You can follow us on YouTube. You can find us on podcast platforms all over the map. Not Apple or Google yet. But it's still for pending. some reason. It's still pending. We're on Stitcher. We're on Pandora, Spotify, podcast app, podcast, podcast Podbean. App. That's where we host it. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram, guys. We are on the Insta or the Gram. And I want just to call it. Brian just told me we had forty-two followers. Forty-two. I followers. don't believe it. Stop making so many fake profiles. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's yeah, that's surprising. Awesome. Well, thanks for following us, guys. Leave us a comment. Start a discussion. You can email yeah. us at baptistandbuddhist at gmail dot com if you want to go that route. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook, that yes, probably is very conducive to con- to discussions and conversations, and mm-hmm. definitely. And uh, we'll try to post more on that too, and uh, yeah, I was create just some about conversations up, as well. Yeah, I was just about to bring up some content that we need to create yes all right um this this episode we're gonna talk i think we haven't even like pre-talked about this i think we're talking about (laughs) cosmology of our beliefs and oh no yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow these eight pages of notes are useless (laughs) just kidding i have i do have eight pages of notes in front of me not related to this podcast though maybe a half a page does i have one nine and a half by five five and a half page of notes on this that's not bad no so brian when we talk about cosmology what are we talking about so cosmology refers to in essence how things began where things began, you know, why are, why is this here, you know, like, what's the story behind that? Um, it's the beginning. Yeah, I think that that really um, puts a perspective on a topic. And really, as I look at the topic of cosmology, like, from my perspective, it does put a lot of the why behind things, not just the structure of the universe, if you will, or like the structure of reality, but also like the why of reality. And I think a lot of, 
especially in Christian circles, I think a lot of people don't fully realize the importance of our, the actual, like the, the three dimensional world that we experience now and its relation to, um, to everything. Um, and it, I think, I think it, it's an important thing to, to, uh, to look at and actually, um, for, a for a concise cosmology definition, yeah. according to the Oxford dictionary, the science of the origin and origin and development of the universe. So there you go. So let's, I guess let's get into it. If we yeah. don't have anything else to say beforehand. Nope. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So from a, uh, from the Baptist perspective, and this is not going to be a Baptist perspective per se, because that's not a proper, uh, characterization of how I approach it and how I see it and how I study it. Um, and most Baptists like quote unquote Baptists, like the general Baptist you will see will probably not agree with me. And most Christians probably won't either. So how would you characterize this approach that we are about to hear? What do you mean? <laughs> like not Baptist. Um, again, with my beliefs, like I hate trying to fit everything into a title or like a category because I'm just a, a biblicist, if you will. I'm, I just study the Bible from my from the from the way I've been studying it, the way I've been teaching, or the way I've been taught. And I mean, I have taught it as well, but um, the way I've I've discovered it and how it makes sense to me according to the Bible is very non-traditional, I think. But I have been seeing a lot of people out there coming, like coming along the same lines as this. So, so um, could you say maybe, for the sake of a label, maybe like dis dispensationally informed biblical literalism? Uh, sure. Yeah, that that could be a way. <laughs> I, I won't attribute a lot of this discussion to a dispensational aspect but it does it does attribute to that as well but i'm not going to specifically say this is like a dispensational approach um but i definitely think it could be considered um so let's see where to begin let's start in the beginning <laughs> In Genesis one one, so that's the starting of the 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 Christian scripture. Genesis one one, we all heard it. We've seen it on postage stamps and everything else, <laughs> everywhere you hear. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Um, if you go back to the episode on sacred text, you'll understand why I'm just going to stick with the King James. But the King James specifically says the heaven and the earth. So there's two things created in the beginning. I believe in the beginning was not day one of creation, but it was sometime before the creation, the, the seven or the six day creation of Genesis. Some people will label me as a gap theorist, which 
some which Christians will usually uh, attribute the label gap theorist as you see a gap in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. So there's a gap somewhere in there. A lot of people think, oh, I mean, there's a lot of different gap theorists out there, like old like the old earth gap theorist the lucifer's flood gap theorist like different i've heard so many different labels and so many different ways of seeing it but i do approach the bible literally so i see uh in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and according to scripture because studying the scripture we we compare scripture with scripture precept upon precept um line upon line we, we compare script all revealed scripture to itself. And through studying, we find that there seems to have been a world system upon the earth that was not organically mankind. And it was a different world, which world in a biblical sense means like the, the ecosystem of the, the earth. It's not necessarily the earth itself, but the the way things work on the earth which the bible talks about the world that once was and the world that now is and the world that is to come so there's different worlds we're talking about just to lay it out there i believe in the beginning god created the heaven the angels and then the earth because the angels uh, the angels celebrated and, and were glad to see the creation of the earth as the bible talks about so God created the heaven, the angels, and the earth. Lucifer was one of those angels. You know, we talked about his fall and everything. Um, being able to take a third of the angels with him, with his plan, his plan to basically thwart the throne of God. And I believe that when you get to Genesis 1-2 and the earth was without form and void, that was actually a judgment of the original earth. I'll, I'll just use the term the original earth because the original earth had the angelic world system. God created the heaven and the earth to dwell in by the Bible says. And there was a world system that the angels had going on and they corrupted it with their own, uh, ill plans and ill deeds. And God judged the earth, I believe, by the way, probably by the waters, because the Genesis 1 talks about the waters, the, the spirit moved across the, uh, upon the face of the waters. There is water there, too. There is some kind of body of water there. The Bible calls that the deep. Um, and I'll explain exactly where these fall into positionally like where 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 in the world are these things i think the bible if it's truly talking about this like angelic world the heaven and the earth like just these two entities and this body of water called the deep somewhere i don't think it gives a whole lot of information about it and that's probably because it's not directly relating to this world and the way god is is uh working with mankind but I think there is some relevance to it. To, and if we study scripture, we see this. Um, so the, the heaven and the earth, Lucifer fell. 
the angels fell, and I believe God probably judged the earth. And the reason I say that is because when you look at the earth was without form and void, the two other places that the Bible uses those terms was in place of judgment, like some kind of judgment was made. And I think one of the passages talks about a future judgment of the earth for, without form and void. Um, so I think it, it, it can be construed that it was some sort of judgment and fitting in the timeline, Lucifer's fall, you would see there would be a judgment and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So there is a judgment of this earth and it became without form and void. And upon this body of water called the deep, there was darkness, which actually it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting subject when you look at darkness, like it almost seems like angels are inhibited by whatever this darkness is like, like they can't move or it like inhibits their power or something. Um, because you see the angels are like kept in like chains of darkness in like the bottomless pit. Um, and like it inhibits them somehow. It's, it's kind of a weird, uh, weird side study there. Um, but the, so the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So God was hiding his glory from this deep, from this earth, this formless earth. And then he said, let there be light. So he shined his light. He, he shined it back on this creation somehow, you know, maybe rolling back this darkness or this veil or whatever it might be. And he started forming. You notice in after Genesis 1, 2, when he says he's like, he, when he, when it talks about making the earth, it doesn't say he created the earth. It says he formed the earth. And the, even like some other books of the Bible talks about how he formed it with his hand, with his fingers, he weighed and measured things. So, when it comes to this, like forming the earth, we see, and I'm not going to go a huge description in like this, the six day creation. Um, I mean, you can read it and you can see what was created when and why and how. Um, but you see this forming of this, this, uh, this cosmos. And I guess I'll get into it a little bit because when you see the the waters were separated from the waters like i've seen different interpretations of that in christianity it's like what does this mean like what's the waters from the waters and i believe there are waters outside of this universe the second heaven as we call it um and the waters were separated from the waters creating this giant void or this vacuum or whatever you want to call it as the universe, this is a huge expansive cosmos that seems unending almost. Um, and, and then he created, he formed the, the dry land on earth and he had some water there and he created the sun and the moon and the stars he made also. And then he, you know, made, well, he first made plants and then he made the sun and the moon and the stars and then animals. And then he formed man out of the dust of the earth. 
and he breathed him breathed life into the man and created a living soul and it was like you know the six days of creation you always see in like cartoons and whatnot and there's adam and eve all that stuff um and then on the seventh day he rests seven days just like your shirt says <laughs> i don't know the reference to that but that's kind of funny um but i believe as we are now like the there was some time in the beginning we don't know when that was there was an original earth some say the original earth was metallic or had a lot of more like more of like precious stones and gems um lucifer had a throne on the earth god's throne might have been on the earth um and he was you know god was fulfilling his will of dwelling on the earth dwelling in his own creation because he created things so he could dwell with a creation that loves him. But obviously that creation decided not to love him. <clears throat> and the reason, I mean, the reason that is, is basically because Satan or Lucifer exacted his will against God's. And, you know, God allows his creation to have free will um, because that's without free will that there's no real true like worship or love and it would just be like like a robot or like some computation that doesn't have free will to that extent um so uh when lucifer fell before like he the way i see it he judged that original earth destroyed it reformed it and god had this plan hidden him to take back that earth and to take back the heaven as well the heavens as we will see because satan corrupted that too i think i mentioned this before was when in genesis 1 when it talks about like and he made this and he made that and saw that it was good when he made the the second heaven you know, the stars and everything, he didn't say that was good. So, and that, it goes back to like, I think it's Job fifteen fifteen. it said the heavens are not clean in his sight. So something about the, the second heaven, the universe is not clean because of probably that angelic activity. Um, I mentioned that word, like the heavens, the heavenlies, I've mentioned that before. Basically, the whole structure of God's created uh, masterpiece is that there's the heaven that he dwells in, which Paul calls the third heaven. So we know there's at least three heavens. And uh, we see there's that heaven that he created. That's the angelic spiritual realm. I believe it's kind of like a almost like a fourth dimensional kind of thing because it's outside of our space time. It's, it's outside of the known universe, but it's like actually there. It's literally there. And I believe it is like between the third and this and our universe, the third heaven and our universe, which is, you know, the cosmos space, we call it the second heaven. But I believe between that is the, the deep or the great deep or the sea of glass. The Bible uses those uh, terms for that like kind of description. And it says the deep is the face of the deep is frozen, so it's like basically a crystalline ice 
wall and this is kind of sounds crazy but um like the universe is bordered by that or maybe at least just a part of it i don't know um, but i believe it is fully basically bordered with that body of water um and the, you know the bible talks about how god veiled like veiled the heavens and he spread it like a curtain to hide himself from it and so like the blackness of space is like basically the 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 uh the blackness of the absence of like god's glory because god's glory is just an effulgent light it's like his brightness and like hidden since his face is hidden from that it's you know the vast darkness we see the second heavens outer space you know this humongous un, in uh, incomprehensible expanse with so much out there that we don't even know um i believe that is largely where like the fallen angels are you know lucifer um the bible talks about those heavenlies we call the you know the 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 second heavens like the heavenlies or the heavenly places they have levels of like authority like the angels do like the principalities powers mights and dominions um so i believe like there's some kind of like working with the angels or the fallen angels specifically in that realm of the of the second heaven that they have i'm not sure how it's structured or who is in charge of that per se maybe it was uh maybe it was um set by god or maybe lucifer made up his own order i don't know i'm not 100 sure on that but um so we see the second heavens out there um and then there's what what's the first heaven that's you know our world our earth and our atmosphere uh, the bible calls it an open firmament so it's open to man we can live breathe you know live in this open firmament the bible says that the second heavens are basically closed to man like we obviously can't like breathe and live there so the three heavens are basically what constructs everything of the cosmos and the universe and beyond somehow there's a fourth dimensional like aspect to how angels can travel or appear themselves because they can appear to man sometimes they appear as just a man sometimes they appear as like a this really scary guy that's like flaming now most of the time when angels appear to man they always say fear not like why are you saying that because probably because they're kind of scary i don't know we'll get into how the the uh, bible describes angels and cherubim and seraphim like and, wheels with eyes and stuff well that's a that's definitely a different topic and i think that's ma mainly misconstrued <laughs> for something else but i'll <laughs> we'll talk about that later because that's <laughs> one of my favorite topics um but yeah there are some scary looking things there's some other angelic beings that we are not fully aware of like the watchers and stuff that kind of weird um but I think there's some way that like that fourth dimensional kind of spiritual realm, they can see into our realm. Obviously, I think I've described this before where like scales have been lifted on from people's eyes or a veil has been lifted back and they could see 
these heavenly hosts, these angelic beings. And, uh, I think, uh, probably one of the more important things to like take away from like thinking about this is with some Christians, they think like the heavenly realm is like non tactile, non like real. It's kind of just more like a spiritual, like experience or something, but like the way the Bible talks about it, it's very real. It's probably more real than this world that we're living in right now. Um, we have some limitations and, you know, science, like some people have like, you know, proven quote unquote, the fourth dimension, you know, with, with, uh, mathematical, uh, uh, like mathematics and equations and measurements and some like things just work in a fourth dimension. And I mean, they talk about other like dimensions beyond that as well. Um, I, I, I believe that like the spiritual angelic realm is much more real than a lot of other Christians might think. And we see that, um, in the construct of this, of this universe, that there is a giant city in the third heaven called the new Jerusalem. And that's where like God's throne is. And in the future, we see that God actually burns up everything. Like every, the Bible says like the very elements burn up and like everything is basically just destroyed down to its basic elements. And what the Bible says is that during that time, God creates a new heaven and a new earth. So it's back to how it was originally constructed in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. So like the third heaven is basically going to be emptied out kind of broken down where there there is just one heaven and one earth again the bible says in those future times there's no more sea there's no more deep like that sea of glass there's no more of that boundary <clears throat> and uh that city that's up in the third heaven comes down onto earth some people th say it floats around earth some people say it's literally on earth some people say the earth will be bigger. The city is like 1,500 miles cubic. So it's like 1,500 miles high, which seems really weirdly impossible. Um, so I don't know. That's just what the, <laughs> the Bible says. Um, some people th think it's a cube. Some people think it's a pyramid. Some people think it's a satellite. Like, I don't know. It's There are so many different like weird theories about it, but... I tend to believe it's more going to be on the earth because there were foundations of that city that mo that, uh, was it Abraham was looking for, like he was looking for a foundation of this city that God promised him. And like, I, I believe there probably is like a foundational working on the earth or an idea at least that, that, that very real city in the third heavens will be in this realm. And, you know, I don't think the, the angelic realm or that spiritual realm is really that far off from our comprehension. We're just not able to go beyond that in our minds, I think. But I think I, I do believe it's very, very real. Um,
very tactile. So, could I ask you a question? Yeah, anytime you just butt in and ask questions or challenge okay, me. So or this is kind of going back earlier into what you were saying. Yeah. And this is just kind of in, an inconsequential question, but I was wondering, like, where where does the idea of that, like, the original Earth or whatever was made up of like was metallic or with yeah uh gems yeah so like, where um, does that come from so in one of the passages um that talks about how lucifer was walking in eden which eden it's not the garden of eden it's a country that was on earth and a lot of people say it was the original earth had the original eden and um it talks about like uh him walking around in the stones and like i know lucifer has coverings kind of like the the uh the temple uh, priests the jewish temple priests have an ephod of uh 12 gems well lucifer has those same 12 gems on him like those that was originally on him and like he's covered in those gems somehow or something he also has pipes and tabrets apparently to play music from himself or something like that. <laughs> um, but a lot of people, some people believe there, there are like the metals and the gems that we find in the earth have an origin from that original earth. I'm not a hundred percent convinced on that. Um, but I mean, in the Bible, the Bible does talk a lot about precious stones, especially when you look at the New Jerusalem. It's the streets are paved with like a translucent gold, and the very foundations of the city are actual like layers of gems, like the twelve gems, and the gates are like a pearl material, like one giant pearl for each gate, like a gate's carved out of these pearls or something, and uh just a lot of like precious metals and stones are worked into the the image of the third heaven <clears throat> even when it comes down to like god's throne is surrounded by an emerald rainbow like i don't know if it's like a, a, a rainbow built of emeralds or if it's a rainbow colored like emeralds but there's always some kind of like precious stone quality to those heavenly things so people think that maybe the the first earth was was made of those precious stones and metals i think it's mainly conjecture i'm not 100 percent sold on that either um some people think the original heaven or the original earth had plant life um and when god destroyed the earth in like in lucifer's flood when Genesis one talks about how um, the the plant life sprang forth, that it was the plant life from the original earth, um, and because it doesn't say that God created the plant life, it said that the the plant life sprang forth from the ground. So, and you know, you see that too from Noah's flood as well, because he didn't bring plants onto the ark; he left those alone, and they allegedly just sprang forth on their own when the land dried up. So there's a lot of conjecture in that. Again, we don't, I don't see a ton of description of that stuff, but we know from those passages that the original earth did have Eden and Lucifer was on that original earth. And 
there were also sanctuaries upon that original earth because Lucifer had sanctuaries that he like ministered in or ran or something like that. Um, and maybe that was for like the angels to basically come and worship God. Um, it just, I think again, we're, we don't, we're not given a ton of detail on that. And I think it's a lot is left up for interpretation and a lot is also left up to the imagination. Like just to think about that, like how real that was, um, it's just kind of a crazy thought to think about. But um, I guess like the why behind all of that is uh, I'll just make it brief because I've touched on this before. So God created the heaven and the earth. So there was always those two things. And then when Lucifer exacted his will against God, um, those two things were basically conquered by the angelic realm. And what do we see all throughout Genesis through Acts is that God is preparing mankind to basically take take this earth back. He's going to come back. You know, you see this kingdom on the earth. You're going to have a king on the earth. You're going to be a, a priesthood on the earth. Um, telling Israel all of this, like, you're going to get the earth back. And, like, you're going to be rulers with your Messiah. Okay, awesome. And Satan has constantly been working against them with with um corrupting the the basically the dna of mankind through like the giants through through all of that corruption through um through the even when you see jesus on the earth um are you still there yeah okay it just kind of you just kind of went away um when you see jesus ministering on the earth satan really kind of uh, blitzes against his ministry by like having these demons on the earth running rampant and G Jesus has to cast them out and deal with them and judge them. Um, and Satan was always aware like, Hey, he's going to try to take the earth back. He's going to, he's going to try to take it back. And that's why he, that's why Satan had him crucified and like, Hey, we're going to work these, these men, into such a way to get him to be crucified and even though it was prophesied that he would be crucified that he would be risen lucifer is like yeah we won but what he didn't realize was that that crucifixion had a purpose that was hidden before the foundations of the world as the bible says before the foundation of the world hidden god there was the mystery and that was to bring in the other aspect of his creation, which was the heavenly, the heaven, to take back that corrupted heaven to use the body of Christ, believers in this current age, to rule and reign with Christ in the heavenlies, were seated in heavenly places, um, to subdue all things, the principalities and powers and mights and dominions in heavenly places. So... Israel will have the earth subdued back unto Christ and the body of Christ will be that tool that God uses to subdue the, the universe, the, the outer space back to, to himself. And he subdues all things unto himself. And that's like the dispensation of the fullness of times, which is like the very last thing God does is bring all things under himself again. 
and there's basically eternity after that um which is the heaven and the earth and the ending not in the beginning but in the ending the heaven and the earth and beyond so I think that's based, that will basically cover cosmology for me. Okay, wow. It's very literal and very real from my perspective. Um, and there's... And very involved. Yeah, it is very involved. And I just touched the surface on a lot of those things. But. Oh, yeah, I could tell. I mean, there's a lot you could go into, mm-hmm. into more depth and... I I don't know if I have any questions besides my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's interesting like the the kind of narrative that unfolds is like probably not something you see in every I don't know, in every Christian's paradigm because mm-hmm. I mean at least from like a cultural you know standpoint like you know someone who might be like culturally christian you know who might you know go to church on on christmas and easter or whatnot like a a kind of a superficial understanding might be like oh you die you know we'll die and go to heaven and then you know the rapture will happen one day and Jesus will come back and yeah. then the earth is, you know, like Jesus will set up his kingdom and like the yeah. end, but that's yeah. not the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I it do seems much more involved than that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, some, some Christians that might be listening will, will just, they know, you know, sin is in the world, sin is bad, and Jesus did something about that, and he's coming back again to take away that sin forever off the world. But, like, why? Like, why did all of that happen? And it's it's the, it's the really sp- the specific way God wanted his will to be exacted upon his creation, because he created to be to dwell with it. And, like, the way he gets to that point is through all of this, to teach mankind as a whole like why he's doing this and like i remember uh at our our old church there was a pamphlet and it's like how big is heaven and i remember reading like heaven has a specific like square mileage i'm like really that seems so weird but what they were talking about was that city the new jerusalem which a lot of people think like that's the news that's where we're gonna live forever but that's only like a small part of it because as we see there is the heaven and the earth involved in that and like the new heaven will be unending and people there is a remnant that goes throughout you know like the tribulation and all that stuff that will create that will continue procreating and there will be need there will need to be places to be able to have all those people and that's the expanse i get it's not just dead air out there that's made for a purpose. The, like the beauty of the universe is not just to look at from far away. It's actually to dwell in and to travel through in the future. Like 
I don't think God would create anything in vain as that much. And, you know, the, the famous phrase, like from the Bible, you know, the stars, the heavens declare the glory of God. And it's like, it's not just from looking up, it's from going to as well. So Mm. I think there's a lot of misconception, just like that pamphlet I read, like, Oh, I didn't know heaven was so limited. (laughs) (laughs) I think I remember the same pamphlet talking about yeah that's one of the only things i remember from back then yeah yeah me too the pamphlets <laughs> yeah but that's definitely the way i described it and the way i could describe it even more definitely not the popular opinion upon many many christians but i've ran across a lot of people that do take that uh that perspective so yeah it's out there what do you think would be most surprising to for christians who might not either believe or be aware of this kind of cosmological approach like uh, probably the the gap in between genesis 1 and 1 1 and 1 2 and also that the body of christ is made to live in outer space (laughs) They're like, oh, that sounds like Mormons or something. Like, oh, we'll be gods upon planets. I don't believe we're going to be gods upon planets and populating the planets with god children, godlike children or whatever, and demigods or something. I don't believe that at all. But, um, but yeah, that's probably the, probably the most like weird and shocking thing to other Christians that would hear this. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Well, I think. If, if that's all you have for your side, that's all the questions I have for you, really. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to hear your side because I, I know I this is be completely turn. different. It is so different. Um, <clears throat> so cosmology, cosmology from a Buddhist standpoint. This, this is, this is just. So interesting. I think in the last episode I touched on a sutta that, um, yeah, Vachagota asks the Buddha a series of very deep uh, existential questions. And, you know, he phrased them, he phrased the questions like, oh, the, the, the universe is, uh, you know, never ending and etc etc is do you is this your view and the buddha would say no and then he said okay the universe is limited and you know blah 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 is this your view no and i mean the the point the point of that sutta was that kind of the idea of clinging to views because clinging to views is one of the fetters that holds us to samsara. Um, So you get this kind of idea that cosmology, you know, how everything began and how everything will end, which is on the flip side of cosmology and eschatology, but um, it's not a view that is pertinent to the ending of suffering. Um, it's not something that needs to be dwelled upon from a Buddhist perspective, but there are 
some things the Buddha talks about um, in in different suttas that that kind of you can infer some information from, and as kind of as a preface, most Buddhists would probably not have a problem with the current modern secular uh, scientific cosmology um you know the the big bang theory and everything um it doesn't you know we think that's a satisfactory ex- explanation maybe a limited um just time-wise, time-scale limited uh, perspective, but um, and I'll and I'll explain why. Um, so I don't think I put this down in my notes, but in in several suttas, you come across um, the Buddha talking about. Uh, actually, I think I did write this down. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a specific example in the Sangyuta Nikaya um the Buddha mentions the recollection of past lives which is one of the one of the many things a, a, an awakened person will remember um and I think usually like initially one of the first things you remember uh when you become awakened, but he talks about, or he says, I recollected, I recollected manifold lives, one, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty, forty, fifty, one hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand, many eons of, and this is where it gets interesting. He says many eons of world contraction and world expansion. Actually, he says many eons of world contraction, many eons of world expansion, and many eons of world contraction and expansion. And and basically, it. I mean, he's he's talking countless, like innumerable. Um, and the Buddha even says about um, the beginning of the beginning of samsara. Uh, one cannot discern the beginning and so this really this really is understood as even if there was a beginning it's so so far like unimaginably long before that it it's almost it doesn't even count like (laughs) not really that it doesn't count but like it might as well have not have a beginning and so that's kind of a general view within buddhism is that life and samsara has been going on for an eternity forever Uh, we cannot if there is a beginning we can't we can't not even discern it we can't even see it measure it imagine it it's so far back um and so this this idea the, the these this wording the world contraction and expansion um i think a lot of modern buddhists would say that that kind of mirrors the idea of of cyclical big bang and big crunches um and so it's this 
this this cyclical pattern over and over again a universe you know comes into being expands and then eventually probably over a very 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 long time comes back you know together and um and to kind of point kind of to illustrate um how expansive the passage of time is in a buddhist view um i wanted to read a little excerpt from another sutta um because he mentions in the one in the little bit that i read about recollecting you know 20 40 100,000 many eons of world contraction, many eons of world expansion, and many eons of world contraction and expansion. And so many eons, probably, I think we can infer from this, like, countless eons. And what is this eon? Uh, what is this eon? Uh, an eon, the word used in Sanskrit is kalpa. Um, and I think there are even bigger measurements like mahakalpas um i'm not a hundred percent familiar with mahakalpas but a kalpa an eon uh he was asked the buddha was asked how long is an eon um and in majjhima nikaya uh in the middle length discourses there was a uh a sutta where he says an eon Okay, so he says, an eon is long and not easy to count, but if I have to give a metaphor, um, he says, suppose there's an, a mile, a, a, a mountain, eight miles high, eight miles long, and eight miles thick, and at the end, and it's completely solid. Uh, he makes that distinction. There's no cracks or crevices. It's a complete solid mountain. And at the end of every 100 years, a man comes along with a piece of fine cloth and strokes the top of the mountain. And he says, by the time, by the man's efforts, by the time the mountain has been eliminated, um, I think to, to like a, a, the size of like a mustard seed or something, not even an eon has passed and so you can imagine how incredibly long that is and i think right after that sutta there was another one where he where he was asked how long is an eon and the buddha describes i didn't write this down but i think it's an, <laughs> i think it's another interesting uh, metaphor i mean he says it, it's it's not easy to measure um but if you take a, a, a city with walls that are eight miles long and eight miles wide and eight miles high, and those walls in, within the city walls is packed, packed, jam-packed, tightly mustard seeds. And every, at the end of every 100 years, a man comes along and picks one out. By the time the city is completely empty, not even an eon has passed. 
Um, Have there been mathematical studies on that? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, there are. I'm cu- I'm really curious on mathematically how long that would oh. be. <laughs> oh man, it, it it gets even like biz- even more bizarre. Like, so <clears throat> along with the hugely expansive never end. There's no in short in Buddhist cosmology. There's no beginning or end to existence. Um. But there's also these ideas of different levels of existence, hell realms, hungry ghost realms, animal realms, the human realms, jealous demigods and god realms. And you can go into, like, say, the hell realms and break them down into even even more different realms that are mentioned. Like there's like the screaming realm and like and the even more screaming realm or something like that like oh wow okay that's that's pretty intense um tibetan buddhism gets really in in depth and like there's cold realms and like cold hell realms and hot hell realms and Hmm. breaks it on to that but also how long you live in each realm uh is is specified like how long a general life is and so you know, here in the human realm, you live, if you're lucky, a hundred years. Um, and the lower you, the lower you go on the on the scale of like realms down to the hell realms, it exponentially gets longer. And so, like, I was like just scrolling through like the different life spans of each realm, and like in the one of the worst hell realms your life is like it like it, it was a pretty radical number with a very big exponent like it was like like 800,000 to the power of something ridiculous and i'm pretty <laughs> sure that was in i don't know if that was measured in eons or years but it's like I mean, it it feels like forever, and that's a lot of people. Like a lot of people will mention that it's the same way in the God realms too. Like you will, like born in the in the devil realm, the God the God realm. Like you will live millions and millions of years, but you'll still die. Your your life is still impermanent, and you'll end up, you know being reborn into a different realm um but that's kind of beside the point uh with buddhist cosmology um if i could say something like that's pretty interesting like the different levels i think i could equate that a tiny bit to like the christian cosmology because there are hells uh levels in hell and and heavens too because you know i already said like positionally in the heavens are like principalities and powers and stuff but like the bible does talk about like the lowest hell like there are different levels to that probably for different levels of people like uh you know maybe how how much of a evil spirit they had or uh how much of a wicked heart they had or something like that um Hmm. that's yeah that's interesting um 
what like because it sounds like the the hell hell was created specifically for like different types of people or whatnot um it was created specifically like with an intention for, yeah it was specifically created for satan and his angels so i'm like just looking at it from that perspective like could there be different levels like obviously like satan would probably be pretty low on the scale for leading this whole rebellion but maybe an angel was like caught just in the in the in the you know eventfulness of his of his uh turning on god and trying to exact his will and they're like yeah let's do this and you know they become a fallen angel but not to the extent lucifer i don't know like maybe that was the levels or something yeah that's that's interesting and the big difference um in in buddhism is that these these levels aren't like like there's there's no like intention behind why they exist it's just kind of um i guess instead of just trying to explain it in layman's terms it's it depends on your karma your your karma and it's and it's in a way kind of like a in mo- in modern terms maybe like a like your psychological propensities so if you live a life with a lot of anger and with a lot of you're 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 an impatient person you're very angry and you you've you know acted on that anger um you're kind of kind of like writing the or rewriting maybe the the your your psychological code kind of like okay like i'm an angry person and this is how i should act like um but like on the most subtle levels and so when when your when your karmic uh I don't know why I almost said receipts, but it kind of is like when you cash in your karmic receipts, um, not really like that. That sounds, that, that sounds weird. But, um, when the, the, when the karmic flow continues after this life dies, it will be like pulled where kind of where it best fits in a way. Like, live a very angry life you're a horrible person maybe you've murdered people um you there's that karmic tendency uh and almost inevitability of of reaping bad fruits from that like you know there's no good there's no good effect from killing someone or yelling at someone or being angry and I mean we can see that in in everyday life like if you yell at someone or kill someone like nothing good ever happens from that but in Buddhism it's an even deeper like an even deeper uh karmic response I guess karmic uh effect because it's a there's a cause and an effect and so killing someone doesn't just give you bad outer circumstances 
but you're cultivating bad, not bad, but you're cultivating more and more unskillful uh, karmic seeds and the fruits from those seeds, um, which will which will lead you different ways, just like water naturally runs down a mountain. Um, and the trick of it is, the, the, the catch, I should say, is that all of these realms, and this it might be even more pertinent on a cosmological topic, all of these realms are samsara. Um, what like the life we live right now is samsara um, and samsara is just the 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 continuation of the cycle of of ignorance and leading to suffering um, specifically if you want to look at like the the specific cycle of how that happens, the 12 links of dependent origination, um, just to give you a taste, um, because I think this is kind of like the, the overarching map of how samsara keeps rolling. Um, and so, so ignorance is the first link and that is ignorance of the truth of suffering. Um, leads to mental formations um and this is like actions and thoughts and stuff informed by ignorance um and then mental formations leads to consciousness which leads to name and form which leads to the six senses which leads to contact which leads to feeling or sensation which then leads to desire or craving and then that leads to grasping or clinging and then that leads to what we what we call becoming um, which then leads to birth which then leads to aging sickness and death which leads back to ignorance um, and so uh, there's so much more to be said about that but that's kind of the general gist of how one is caught in a, a cycle of rebirth, suffering, and death. Um, and you just kind of go through these different realms over and over and over again. Um, and this cycle is what the, what the path to liberation is trying to liberate us from, is, is having this karmic roller coaster uh being you know getting sucked back into ignorance and you know suffering and and the reason why i said that it's, it's probably more pertinent is to understand the, the the cosmology of of samsara and rebirth in the context of what it means for liberation and because that's that's the only reason we talk about rebirth and 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 karma because it's not it's not like some weird some weird cosmological topic to talk about it it's talked about because it directly relates to the liberation 
from suffering. Otherwise, the Buddha would say no comment. You know, there's no reason to talk about that or cling to views about that. It doesn't pertain to the goal. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, when I came when I came to this topic, like I knew the importance on my side of like why the cosmology is <laughs> but like now that you kind of explain it on your side like I from the from your beliefs I know like I not know because I don't completely understand but like I understand the why on your side I, I didn't even know you guys had a why so like that's kind of interesting to to hear that from you that's yeah I guess that's really, I mean that's pretty interesting because the, the the idea like the idea of a why like when you approach most religions you probably think oh there's a there's a why that is preceding everything else like you know it, whether it be god's plan and setting forth all these things happening or whatnot but from a Buddhist perspective, it's just like, oh, this is just how it is. But our why is liberation from suffering and putting everything into context with that. So if if the cosmology and the construct of everything is the cycle of samsara, is there at any point this this a universal cessation of that construct of samsara or is that just more on an individualistic like term like is there any a point and i guess maybe it, like that's a like a 404 error like that does not compute like at any point is there er, any ever going to be not the construct of samsara or is that cycle always going to be there no matter what? That That's a good question. Um, and I guess maybe to clarify, I don't know if this would clarify or not, but samsara, not only, you could say it refers to phys the physical world, but it's not quite the physical world. It's more how we relate to the physical world. Okay. And so Nibbana or Nirvana, uh, like it's not like, a, you know, it's not a, a spiritual place or a physical place. It's when, if you reach Nibbana, you're still where you are. Um, until, I don't want to say until you die because of the, uh, the confusion that comes with that but um <laughs> but would samsara are you asking like would samsara ever like would all beings ever escape samsara right i guess that um, probably was my question boiled down to it yeah well i mean that's the the goal of the mahayana schools is the ending of suffering for all beings, for the the great enlightenment of all beings. Um, the practicality, though, is that there are, and 
there are an innumerable amount of sentient beings. And mm. so the math, <laughs> the math on that, the odds are pretty uh, slim. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I mean, at once, like, I don't know. There's this, this, this feeling I get like, like you don't, I almost hesitate to say like, you don't have to escape samsara. You know, you don't have to end your suffering because it's not like it's a new thing to us. It's, you know, from a Buddhist perspective, this is, this has been going on forever. Like it's not, it's not like a new, oh no, uh, precedence or anything. Um, like we've been living this life, living in this samsaric life forever. Uh, it's just like if, it, maybe if like if you want a way out, there is a way out. Yeah, like if you one day look around like, wow, life is suffering. Um, just like and then buddy's and then you're male. like, why? I mean, just just, just like, like the this. I was gonna say a funny analogy. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Just like buddy's friend in the mailroom, he's got to get out of the flow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You gotta get out of the flow. <laughs> Go and the so flow. you can you can well. be in that mail room forever and do your job and then maybe one day you, you like, run across an elf and you realize <laughs> you gotta get out of the flow. <laughs> you you just like sit up and you look around and you're like Wow, this is so unsatisfying. Like why are like why are we why why are we experiencing this? Why isn't this pleasant you know um and then you know that introspective investigation starts happening and um maybe you hear of the dhamma and you're like oh wait there's like someone else is teaching this or you know like the buddha figured it out on his own he's like wow why is all this like why are we aging and dying and suffering this is just like is there a way out of this and then you know through investigative practices and whatnot it, it's like oh there there is a way to to put an end to this um and something that might surprise people is that is that the the you know liberation the nibbana is there is a a a, a pleasure to it it's a there's a bliss and people are like, oh but that's like but you're not supposed to be you know clinging to, to bliss and pleasure and whatnot but it's an unconditioned bliss and what we are clinging to is conditioned ideas of pleasure which as as the buddha taught those are all impermanent and ultimately dissatisfactory um and so it's like how can how can we how can we be at peace you know how can we be content without relying on on conditioned things um and that's what nibbana that's what in liberation is hmm. it's kind of a, a I don't know. I imagine it as maybe it's not uh, like a like 
a release, like a relief. You know, you're carrying these heavy suitcases or something. You you said it was like, ah, oh, phew. It's so much. It's so much better not carrying those around. <laughs> um, and that's like an ultimate, an ultimate uh, idea, kind of. Uh, hmm. Well, that would like have a, been a good point, a good thing to mention in the uh, liberation episode. Because <laughs> that is yeah. that is interesting to know. Um, yeah, it's the the unconditioned. It's the the deathless. They call it the deathless because, with the with the dependent origination cycle, you know, like if you've end if you've ended ignorance, there's no there's no birth, there's no death, there's no aging, there's hmm. none of this. And it's not like, oh, you're living forever. It's not like, oh, I've gained immortality. It's it's something different. It's something because you've you've abandoned concepts of 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 self, of me, of mine. So what is there to die? What is there to be born? Hmm. And it's not a nihilism either. You're not you're not destroying something, obliterating something, because. If there's no if there's no self, what is being destroyed? Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and we'll touch on that if we do like a soul. I was just gonna say the exact same self, thing. Uh, yeah, it's episode. like we're twins. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but yeah. Um, as far as cosmology goes, I don't know how much more I have to say on that but okay. um, if you have any more questions no I think like the I think you definitely hit the questions that I had um, uh, you answered some of the questions I had that I didn't even ask so I think okay, that would good. I think that's going to do it for this episode very right. uh, very interesting I'm glad we were of... able to bring our perspectives to the table and like I learned a lot from you today about about your perspective for sure um not sure how much you learned from mine i know you've probably heard that before from some of my stuff but yeah your 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 old bible study audio and stuff yeah yep yep so not too much surprising on my end but uh, well, i'm sure i next kind time. of no. <laughs> uh, I I don't know I I feel kind of like I've rambled, oh, we all incoherently. Did. But, it's, but we all did. But <laughs> I think it was good. <laughs> That's what this whole show is. It's just exactly. us rambling incoherently. Exactly. <laughs> and listen to us on double speed if you want. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be it for this episode. Um, thanks everyone for listening and watching. Definitely hit us up on all of those avenues that we've described at the beginning of this episode like subscribe hit the notification bell leave reviews comments emails all that stuff um share share definitely share with your friends with your social media friends um oh yeah i was gonna take a selfie so that i can post something to our instagram yeah (laughs) i feel left out you just saw that (laughs) I feel left out now. No selfie on my end. 
You can take a selfie if you want. Okay, there. You'll be in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, again, thanks everyone for listening and watching, and we will see you next time. This has been The Baptist and The Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And we are signing off. See ya. Good night. Or whatever. Thank you.